0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Well, it's good to see you all. Good to be here. Good to worship. Just a recap for those who have not been up. <laughs> Don't mind me. Um, uh, we were in the middle of a series uh, on the spiritual gifts, which we, I think we've done two weeks of, no, three weeks of so far. So we've had um, Jack spoke on um, tongues, and he spoke on prophecy, and then Pete spoke on hospitality, and he spoke on. don't tell me, he spoke on. He spoke on mercy. I was listening, and he spoke on voluntary poverty last week. So this week we're going to carry on, and we've got a few more things for us to look at um, and to move through. And the, just the plan for those of you that don't know is we're going to go through each of these things, kind of in the weeks, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks from the weekend away? Where are we? It's the its the 1st of March, it's something crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's March, wow. A few weeks away from the church weekend, so when we get to church weekend, that's where we're going to be kind of um, looking at this in a different way, we're going to be trying to kind of get, you know, some of us have got these giftings already, we're going to be trying to work and move in those a little bit, or maybe those that don't know what gifts we've got, or don't currently have and work in these gifts, we're going to be praying for each other and it's going to get exciting, it's going to be a really, 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 really good time there. But this week, we're just going to carry on going through a few of these gifts and the first one we're going to look at this morning, are you ready for the excitement, are you ready for this, are you ready, big topic, passionate administration, we're saying administration this morning church, administration, that's right, I'm going to try and talk about administration and keep you all awake, alright, I'm going to get my best shot. Administration, some of you obviously are thinking boring, administration, it's tedious, it's annoying, administration... But I'm going to attempt to try and get something out of administration. And I'm, I'm, actually, I, I, I'm confident, i am telling you I'm confident, because I think administration is a wonderful, 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 wonderful thing. Administration is a powerful, powerful, incredible gift of the Spirit, which we need in church, which we need at home, which we need in our workplace, which we need in our city, which we need in our governments, and our councils, all that kind of thing. Administration is a much, much needed thing. So first of all, I'm going to delve straight in and just look a little bit at what administration really, really is. And the word administration, the Greek word, it comes from a word that referred to a, a ship steerer, like a pilot almost, someone that would navigate, someone that would take the ship from the start of the journey to the end of the journey. Okay, so it's, in some ways it was quite a hands-on person. They might not have been the person that planned the trip on the boat. They might not have come up with a brilliant idea, let's go from here and let's go to there. But they're the person that is in charge and they would steer that ship and make sure it misses out for the icebergs and the other ships and weather storms and all that kind of thing. So that's where the word administration originally comes from. One definition I found which I liked was uh, administration, somewhat, someone with the ability to coordinate the activities of others for the achievement of a common goal There's someone with the ability to coordinate the activities of other others for the achievement of a common Goal. So, as I said, some some of, some of us here are thinking administration. I like administration. I do administration, and that's brilliant. Others of us will not be thinking of that. It's something that's quite annoying. We're not very good at it, so we don't like it. We think of we think of pettiness. We think of annoyance. Kind of, we think of something quite corporate. You know, there will be an administration fee for this service. You know, that kind of thing. You think of red tape. You think of dotting ticking boxes, and signatures, and crossing. And it's boo! Just these boring people that make you. Do all this kind of administration stuff, and we don't like it, but it is vital. Administration is vital for us as a church to get from point A to point B. Okay, we have this vision which we talk about Isaiah 61. Administration is going to get us from point A to point B. Without administration, we're going to be in a bit of a mess because you see, we're looking at this series, Gifts of the Spirit, and there's so many different gifts. All right, all these different gifts which we're looking at, which which we have but then some of us will have more than one. We might have two, we might have three, we might have four. And what's fascinating is, is the combinations of these different gifts. So you get someone that might be um, have the gift of evangelism, and then they might have the gift of, um, let's think, the gift of evangelism with the gift of being like a shepherd, pastoral. That's going to look quite different to someone with the gift of evangelism with the gift of voluntary poverty, for example. So all these different combinations and blocks that you have of these gifts, it makes it quite interesting and exciting. We all have all these different things to offer. But with all of that can come chaos (laughs) because we've all different personalities with different gifts. And that is why we need someone to administrate it. Administrators can bring order to gifts and channel them into the direction of them working to their potential. Otherwise, we can all be going on tangents, spending all this energy with all our gifts. and We can all just be going in all different directions. The administrator can just try to guide it all through Nicely, so it meets the goal. So you might be thinking of spreadsheets and schedules and signatures, but it's so, 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 so much more. So just quickly, what are these people like? I'm kind of moving. This is kind of quite bullet point heavy right now just because just that's kind of the content, what we're looking at, and then we'll try and get somewhere a little bit more with it. But these people, strate- um, administrators, you might recognize yourself in this or you might not. I won't ask you whether you do or you don't at this time. But these people are often strategic. They will think outside of the parameters of most. They are able to manage people, projects, finance, information, and stay on task they are not likely to feel overburdened with what others would be overwhelmed with they are organized they are efficient or they enjoy efficiency who enjoys efficiency yeah some people some people get a real kick off efficiency like they see a nice you know their socks might be in a nice row in their drawer and they just think that's beautiful some of us don't I'm not going to tell you which one I am some see eventualities that others may not and can plan and prepare for them see how that kind of ties into prophecy just a little bit there as well they can foresee things and they can plan around it they are loyal. They, um, often, you, you, this kind of person will have respect for leadership, which will sometimes, and I think there's some of these in this church. I'm not going to look at you or point you out this morning. But I think there's some of you who have a respect for leadership, which will sometimes mean that even if you see a situation that cries out for your gifts, you won't put yourself forward until you are asked. I'm just going to leave that one hanging there for a moment. Yeah, yeah. Okay, where do we see this in the Bible? In the book of Acts, right, the book of Acts, this is not, when we think of Acts, we don't think of administration, do we? That's not the first word that comes to our mind when we think of the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, it was exciting. Like the things that were happening in the book of Acts, it was amazing. And in chapter 6 of Acts, this time the church is growing, people getting healed, There's just uh, people getting saved, prophecies, tongues, Brilliant, amazing things. This time that we we look back at and try to learn out of what church should really look like. So exciting and all this kind of stuff going on. But in Acts chapter 6, verse 1 to 7, which I think, hey, there we are. Uh, 6, verse 1 to 7, which we will read now. And it says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So they had this distribution of food program. Interesting. Love Preston, talk to Pete. Alright, they had this programme that was running. Verse two. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word, or wait in order, or um, there we are, There we are, here we are. Hold on, one set, let's change food. And said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip Procorus Nicanor, well, Timon Palmer, I'll I'll skip the names, a convert to Judaism, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Verse 7, there's some wonderful things there, isn't there? So the word of God was spread, that's a good thing, yeah. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So there's a food program, right? But what they didn't want to do, they didn't want to... There were some people there, the leaders, they had a gift of teaching and pastoring and prophesying, all that kind of stuff. And they thought it was wrong for them to be not using their gifts on where they should be using it. So what they did, they they created a little team that could administer the food program. Simple. (laughs) And they could organize, work to their strengths, and they organized the food program. And what I love about this passage is it's not... They got people that were all like, like you know, all administration and very, like, sh- studious. It says they got people that were spirit-filled, filled with the spirit. It said, uh, choose men among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. Okay, so administration, it's a practical gift, a very, very practical gift. But let's not detach it from a spiritual gift. It's a very, very spiritual gift, which in in that story allowed them to, you know, do the, the gifts that they were gifted in, so they could do the food program. I never noticed this before. This is brilliant. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe you all got this before. I've not seen it before. Administration. Okay. See the word administration. Administer. Administer. Minister. Ministry. It's it, the clues in the question, isn't it? <laughs> Part of the word administration is ministry. It's a ministry. It's not just their spreadsheet doing this and that. It is that, and that's great. We love that. We need that. But it's so much more than that. So if you're here this morning and you've got the gift of administration, I want to encourage you to not underplay it. Don't look down on that gift because it's a wonderful, wonderful, powerful gift. It's a spiritual gift. Okay? It's something that can just help us all get from point A to point B, and our church needs you. This city needs you. Your family needs you to be that administrator. It's a really important gift. Whatever walk of life we're in, administration is a powerful, powerful gift. Okay. Next one we're going to look at this morning is, drumroll please, pastor. Looking at pastor. Now this is a difficult one. This is the one I, I, I struggled with most as I was preparing for this morning. And I think I struggled with it because um, when we think of the word pastor, pastoral, we automatically think of the title, job description, office of pastor. We think of, you know, we think of Jack, we think of Sue, we think of pastors in previous churches maybe, and we automatically think of that. But it's possible to have someone who has got a pastoral gift, but to not have the title or the job description of being a pastor. Likewise, you can get some pastors, (laughs) which aren't actually really that pastoral. They've got the title of a pastor, and they might be fantastic at what they do, but really being pastoral is not one of their main strengths. So we're going to just try and unpack this just a little bit for a few minutes, because what, we want, what I want to do is try and look at this word as, as the gift of being pastoral and apply it less to the job description, the office, the title, the position of pastor, and just more what that looks like for us. Okay what that looks like as we live our everyday life as a church for you, you and I who would not have the title of pastor but we can have the gift of being pastoral. There's going to be a crossover between the two but we're going to try and do it that little way. So first of all, what is it? What is this word pastor? Well, it comes from the word shepherd. So some, sometimes it will be referred to as the gift of shepherd rather than pastor or pastoral. So pastor, pastoral, shepherd, you can interchange those a little bit. So it comes from shepherd, which is quite literal. So with a shepherd in a field, um, in these times, a shepherd would look out for predators and attackers. would be job number one of a, of a shepherd. They would care for the wounded or the sick sheep. They would rescue the sheep when they're trapped, and they would guide the sheep to nourishment or to rest. Okay, so I don't think we need to work too hard to pick out the analogy there between sheep and us. That's kind of what a pastor's job is, isn't it? They look out for predators, attackers. They care for the wounded, the sick sheep. They rescue sheep when trapped and they guide sheep to nourishment and rest. Okay, just quickly, what are these people like? What are pastors often like or pastoral people? So even then I was trying to do the position. What are pastoral people like? Pastoral people, they have a desire and ability to help people grow to greater maturity in the faith. They enjoy guiding, mentoring and nurturing people. They desire to help people overcome spiritual, emotional, or physical problems in their lives. And they want to protect people from harmful influences and help bind up the wounded. So you might see some of those things in yourself. You might see them in someone else. But we just keep those at the back of our mind. Okay, next quick question. This is the bullet point part. Where do we see this in the Bible? Couple of quick scriptures scriptures on a look at. First of all, in Jeremiah chapter three, verse fifteen, so this is way before the gifts of the Spirit were even kind of presented in the New Testament form. But this is a promise that God makes, and he says, Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. And then in Acts chapter twenty, verse twenty eight. I think we might have on the screen. It says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each I view night and day with tears. Okay, that's not a passage of scripture I like to read over my breakfast for a nice light kickstart to my day. It's quite like an epic, scary few scriptures, I think, there. Now, the gift of being um, pastoral or a shepherd, I think that this is quite a strange gift. I think this is why I kind of tied myself up in knots a little bit as I was preparing. I think it's quite a strange gift. I'm going to explain why. I think it's quite a strange gift because ultimately, someone who is pastoral, they love someone. They love people. I think pastoral people, shepherds, they have a heart for people. They love people. You see at the end of that passage, it says, it's never stops warning each of you night and day with tears. See, there's that real sense of love, and that heartache for people. So pastors love people. This can make them someone that people really like, because they're loving. We like loving people. Loving people, they're attractive. Sometimes we're drawn to these people. Pastoral people, they have a. They, they, they can be quite um, warm, maybe sometimes. They, they 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 like to try and keep people close. They like to not, you know, they like to gather people. They don't want people straying. They want to know where all the sheep are because they're aware of the dangers that are around. This can make us love pastors. They can be the most wonderful people. However, (laughs) this same love that they have for us, that pastoral people have, it can make us not like them at times. (laughs) It can make us not like them at times. Pastoral people have a tough job because they can, one minute you are loved seconds later you can be detested because that's the nature of what they're doing and what their job is. So why does this happen? Why, why, why can we go from loving someone who's pastoral to not liking someone who is pastoral? I think one of the reasons why this happens is because a pastoral person, someone with this gift, they, they struggle They find it very hard, and this is part of the gift, they struggle to detach anything from the spiritual. I think a pastoral person struggles to attach anything from the spiritual. What does this mean? This means that a pastoral person will be in a room watching a film with people and they're thinking less about, is this making me laugh? Is this entertaining me? And they're thinking, what, what's going on here? Like, how is this affecting me? How is this affecting the people that I'm in the room with? How is this affecting us spiritually? Okay, you see the difference? I think a pastoral person will hear someone talk to them about their plans, like a job they're going for maybe, and they won't just think about, that's brilliant, you'll get more money, be able to buy a nicer house. They're thinking, what's this going to do to their spiritual life? I think that's what they're thinking. I think a pastoral person will hear someone talking about them going on a date maybe. Maybe they're going on a date with this girl and they're really excited. And they're thinking less about whether they're going to have a good time or or whether they're going to have a good laugh with each other. They're thinking, how is this going to affect them spiritually? They struggle to detach the spiritual, I think, from things that are going on. Which we don't like this, which we need though. Okay, because a pastor's job, like we said, that original description of what a shepherd does, they look out for predators and attackers. They care for the wounded, the sick sheep. They rescue sheep when trapped, and they guide sheep to nourishment and to rest. So pastoral people can move very quickly from being popular to unpopular. Some of us know this. Some of us, Jack, Jack and Sue are going to be listening to this, don't worry. Some of us, Jack and Sue, one week we've loved them. The next week, we haven't. Let's be real. (laughs) All right? Okay, they're going to be listening to this. It's all right. They're going to be laughing now. I've sat in rooms with Jack and Sue where one moment I love them, the next moment I'm annoyed at them (laughs) because they've seen something that I haven't (laughs) and I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear it. I wanted to carry on doing what I was doing. All right, but they said it because that's their job and a wise person recognises that Okay, and knows it's uncomfortable, they don't like it, but that's their gift, and they're there to help me. They see things that I don't. I've got blind spots. We've got blind spots, yeah? Who's not got a blind spot? <laughs> we, we have blind spots. There are things that are wrong in you and me which I have no idea about. I annoy people in ways I have no idea about. My wife, you know, helps me to know these things. But I... I have things in my character I have no idea about. I have things, decisions that I make where I just don't see half of it. And I'm so thankful for people like Jack and Sue and other pastoral people who might be in this room that see these things and have the, I'm going to say audacity, that's the word I'm going to choose. <laughs> I want to say another word. Have the audacity, the, the yeah, the audacity to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grateful for these people and we need these people. (laughs) Okay, first of all, just one more thing before I finish on this. If you have the the gift of being pastoral, this is not free reign to tell people what you think all the time. Okay, let's just establish that. The (laughs) The gift of being pastoral, okay, is not, the ability, well, it's, it is, you know, the ability, it's not permission to just go around telling everyone exactly what you think all the time. Because remember, that thing about being pastoral, it's about loving. And in that passage at the end, it's said about having tears in his eyes. Sometimes a pastoral person, they really, really, really don't want to say this stuff. Because they just want you close. They want you safe. But they're willing to make that trade-off, that sacrifice, out of love for you. Okay. So you might recognize that gift in yourself. If not, you might see in others. But I think that's an important thing for us to look at. The third gift we're going to look at, and this ties in a lot with pastoral, and it is discernment. Discernment. We're about to get intense. Can you say intense? Look at someone and really intense. Be intense. (laughs) Sam looks scared. Right, we're not going to be that intense, don't worry. It is a little bit intense, but we're going to try not to make it intense that's how I handle things in life. <laughs> okay, discernment. What is it? Okay, this is the bullet point part. Ready for bullet points? Okay. Discernment is the ability to distinguish between spirits. Okay, I told you it was going to be intense. The ability to distinguish between spirits. But this isn't a thing that fits in with our culture very well. You know, this is language which we're not comfortable with maybe, but it's very, very real. So that's why we're looking at it. The ability to distinguish between spirits It is discernment is being able to distinguish, to discern or to judge or appraise a person, statement, situation or environment. Discernment equips one to know instinctively what is going on beyond the surface. This is a little bit different to words of knowledge. That's another gift. We're going to kind of point that out in a moment. Words of knowledge is more, and we'll look at this, it's more of a, a specific word where you know something about something which you shouldn't really know. God just reveals something to you, and, and that's, that's more of a word of knowledge. A sermon's a little bit different. I'm going to try and explain this. Uh, but first, what are these people like? Uh, these people are good judges of character. They're able to understand different personality types. They're aware of things that go on under the surface in people and situations. They can quickly recognize authenticity and see through falsity. They can sense the Spirit's working, or the forces of good, and Satan's attacks, the forces of evil. Okay, where do we see this in the Bible? Two scriptures, just quickly, just to show this. Mark chapter 2, verse 8. And I love this. This is, this is, this is about Jesus, but this is like a picture of what this gift can do. And it says, Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Matthew 7 verse 15 says, this is another intense one, uh, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Okay? So sometimes you don't even need the gift of discernment. Just look at someone's fruit in their life and you'll see this. (laughs) Okay, But the gift of discernment, sometimes the gift of discernment can just make you pick up on something in someone or a situation or in a place and make you pick up on something which is just not right. <laughs> You'll know, okay? In your gut maybe. It's like just you get your sense something isn't quite right. Now, I think the way we're going to do this is I'm not going to try and I'm going to give a few stories, right? This is not a gift that I feel like it's the top of my list, list. of I feel I work and move and spend my day in the gift of discernment. I don't feel like that, but I do feel occasionally and times I've moved in this gift and there's, you know. So I'm just going to share a couple of stories, you know, everyday kind of thing where I've seen this work, and then hopefully um, that will give a picture of kind of what's going on with this gift. First of all, uh, a few years ago. Uh, when Sophie and I were still going out, I think one she always looks scared. It's, Don't worry, you're not going to be, you're not going to come out bad on this one. Um, uh, we, we were going out one evening. We went out for a drive in the car, and we took out uh, a flask of tea because um, <laughs> cheap like that. <laughs> we took out a flask of tea, and it was romantic. It was nice doing in the car for a tour and a nice cup of, you know. A flask of tea. And it was really nice. And I remember, so we pulled up and it, we came to, uh, it was like a, a park, which the park was closed, but the car park was open. So we pulled up and sat there, thought have a nice chat and everything. So I remember we were sat there and I remember... Naughty, you're all naughty. We had a chat. <laughs> we had a chat. And as I was sat there, I'm going to just keep plowing on. As we sat there and we were in the car and we were talking talking we were talking i suddenly suddenly I, I felt we we need to go we need to go i don't know why i just felt we need to go like we shouldn't we, we need to we need to go i don't i remember saying to Sophie and she was like I just need so, I, so we drove off and as we were leaving the park two police cars with the sirens on came into the park now i've no idea what they were doing i've no idea what was going on but i know but something triggered me go we need to go you know, (laughs) so I've no idea what came of that, there's no big, nice, fancy, and into that story, I don't know, and so much of the time with this gift, we don't know, we don't know, but we need to listen to that gift, okay, I don't know what we escaped that night, no idea, no idea, but we went, second story, Um, a few years ago, I was in uh, Mexico on a and it was like a missions trip at an orphanage. And from the orphanage, we went out to, uh, they, they were every, I think every week or every couple of weeks, they went to some of the local villages where they went and um, just preached the gospel. They set up a big video projector, and they showed a film about Jesus, and one of the evangelist guys would preach. And they did this week in, week out. Amazing, brilliant stuff. So I was there with a team of us. There was probably uh, s- uh, seven, eight, nine of us from the, Canadian, the team of Canadian people that I was with. And I was, we were just kind of stood around, not understanding the Spanish that was being talked, obviously. So we were just encouraged to stand around and just, just kind of pray. So I was stood there, and I remember, I'll never, ever forget it. it's one of the most scariest things. I remember st- just being stood there, and it was nighttime, and the, f- the guy was preaching. And I remember I just thought, danger, danger, there's danger. So I just—I like, didn't know what to do with it because, like, it was a bit scary that I was feeling this way. So I remember I just leaned over to my friend and said, "Just pray." I don't know—I don't know—I don't know why. Pray, just pray. And I, I think I went over to the pastor that was there and said, "Like, I just—I feel really uneasy. Something's going down, and I don't like it." And it, on the face, everything was going great. The guy was preaching the gospel. It was like danger, danger. And he was like, "Yeah, no, you're right, you're right." So all we could do was pray. Just stood there, just praying. I prayed in tongues and just praying, just because it—it kind of scared me because what does this mean i've not had this before um but we finished the night, and and, and it turned out i only found out later that in that village there'd been quite a lot of work in the occult and apparently right around that time in kind of the forest around a lot of the people that dealt with the occult were doing whatever they do (laughs) around around the area so again i don't know i don't know what could have been the other end to that story but i had this sense in my gut danger Danger and it was scary. This gift can be a scary gift, and we just started to pray, 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 pray. And I believe maybe we we just broke through something through prayer, which could have uh, could have gone another way that evening. Third story, when I was this is a story when I was probably about I would guess about seven or eight years old, seven, eight, nine, something like that. And I remember I was at school, and I um, I, I grew up in church, and, and I think I probably. Apparently, my mum tells me I came home from church one day when I was four or five, so I'd become a Christian. I can't remember that. But I was like I, I grew up kind of in church, so I was kind of around some of this stuff. But I remember sitting in, sitting in an assembly at school. Do we still have assemblies in school? Do they still do that? Yeah? Oh, okay, I don't know. All right. So this teacher, they took A teacher one day would speak about a poem or a passage of a book or something historical or, you know, that kind of thing. But this one day, this teacher in front of the whole school um, talked about star signs. Horoscopes, that kind of thing, to, to a school, yeah, to a school. I know, and I'd never, I'd never heard of this before. I'd never heard of a thing called a horoscope or a star sign. I'd never been taught about it. I'd never been told that they were, you know, bad or anything like that. I'd never even crossed my mind. Never, I'd never seen one. I'd never, nothing, nothing. I had no, no sense of it at all in any way. But I remember sitting in that assembly as eight-year-old boy, whatever I was, thinking, this isn't right. I, I just felt really uncomfortable with it. Something's this isn't good. I don't like this. And I'd not been prayed for the gift of the sermon. I'd never even thought, I'd never heard of the gifts of the spirit at the age of eight. I didn't know any of this kind of stuff. But I remember sat in that school assembly, just thinking, this isn't good. I don't know. So I went home and kind of, I think I remember kind of quite cagely said to my mum and dad, they're talking about horoscopes or something. Knowing, I knew that it wasn't going to make them happy. And they, I remember, I remember they, they weren't happy. They weren't happy with the teacher. They weren't happy that this had happened. But something within me, again, just was, you know, something's not right. Something isn't right. And it is such a valuable, important gift for us as a church to have. Because okay? all the stuff that can go on in church, different people and different things that go on, different places we could go, sometimes this can really guide our prayer life. This can be a real um, great thing for, for someone with a pastoral gift if they've got the gift of discernment as well. Those two can work really, really, really well together. So that's kind of the three gifts that we're going to look at this morning in, in, in that sense. So I just want to close for a minute, um, which, just a few minutes, and just a few, a few thoughts just to try and um, gear what we've heard this morning because, I mean, what, what we've heard this morning its quite bullet point heavy. It's quite, in some ways, it's quite quick because we're doing like Short blocks of each gift, and it'd be nice to delve into it more, but we just don't have the time for that at the moment. But I've been thinking about these these gifts of the Spirit, and the Bible calls them gifts of the Spirit, and they are gifts. It's, it's a really nice way of putting it. They are gifts that God gives to us, the generous heart that he has, and he gives us gifts. He gives us gifts. But I was thinking of them more as weapons. Okay, These are, these are weapons. These are tools that God gives. Gives to us to see his purposes come here to see his kingdom come i think sometimes when we think of gifts they they are gifts that's great but maybe it helps me to think of them as weapons something that god has equipped me with okay to do what he has called me to do he's equipped us as a church to do the things that he's calling us to and it also says, we've said this already, about how it says to desire the gifts. Desire the gifts. And I have a suspicion that this is the place where some of us fall off. Because we sat this morning and we don't desire them. <laughs> we don't. I relate to that. Sometimes I don't particularly desire them. It just sounds like, like I've just described the gift of discernment as being scary sometimes. Why would I, why would I desire that? <laughs> it's scary. It's responsibility. But these gifts are for us, church. They are tools for us to do what God has called us to, for. To do what God is calling us to in the vision that we try to, we want to see. For what you, In your family life, okay, it's not just within the walls of the church, absolutely not, absolutely not. In your family life, these gifts of the Spirit, these tools, these weapons huge huge things that God is, is, is graciously wants to equip us with to use what would it look like just, just think of the gifts we've already discussed, what would it look like if we started to desire these, desire these gifts if we have this gift, what would it look like what would it look like if we started to use them Use them for the for the the purposes that God has given them to us. For what? What would our household finances look like if we desired the gift of administration? What would our What would our workplace look like if we had the gift and saw ourselves as more of of a shepherd? that can just put their arm around people and just try to guide them through all the stuff that goes on in everyday life? What would it look like if if you worked and moved in the gift of the sermon, if you just had that operating when you had big decisions to make in your life? I believe wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, I believe wholeheartedly that if we desire these gifts, we could see some just wonderful things happening. What does desiring look like? Desiring looks like praying for it, maybe reading about it, maybe buying a book on that subject because that's what you want. I remember just, just quickly, in closing, the, the worship team can come up now if they want. I remember when I was probably 15, 16, I, wa- I wanted the gift of tongues. I wanted the gift of tongues and I didn't have it. And um, I didn't fully understand it, but I just thought there's something quite cool and interesting about it. And I desired it. I started to pray for it. I think I, I don't think I read. It. I think I read more like a, a pamphlet on it. Like I just wanted to read about it to find out how do people get this gift kind of thing. And I went. I, I, for me it was time. I went to uh, like a conference, you know, which was t- teaching about that kind of thing as well. I did that kind of thing. I desired it. I pursued it. I wanted it. And I remember that's when I started to move and work in the gift of tongues. And it has been one of the most beautiful gifts that God has given me. It's wonderful. And it's same for all of these gifts. We desire them. Desire them. We could see some wonderful things. And yes, sometimes it can be a bit scary. Once you've got a weapon in your hand, (laughs) it can be scary. There's times when having gifts can be scary but it can also be a lot of fun it can be a lot of fun moving in the gifts of the spirit using the tools and the weapons these gifts that God has given us can be so exciting it can be fun maybe sometimes you get bored in church and with your Christian life I'm just going to say join in get involved (laughs) Desire these gifts, God wants to use you, God wants to equip us. Should we stand? Why don't we just take a minute just to stand, just wait, give God a little bit of space again lots of lots of words. Just don't want to just rush, rush home, rush, to get the food on no, no, no. no, let's just make a little bit of space. I just think God might just want to still do a little bit of work amongst us this morning. So we don't need to be intense, we just breathe, and one simple little prayer. We've already prayed it this morning. If you don't know how to pray, the oldest prayer in the church, Holy Spirit come. You might just want to pray that. Holy Spirit come.